we heard an amazing message last night. With what the message we heard last night, I would think that there is no way that we cannot have an awesome service tonight. Because I know that everyone went home and they checked their vessels. And they filled their vessels up today with all those good things that was spoken about last night. Amen? Did we not? Because if we did, it would be impossible for the devil to have right away his service tonight. That hedge of protection that was mentioned would be there in place and the devil would not have a hope to interfere in this service tonight. Are we ready for that tonight, church? We should be. We got great, wonderful instruction last night. Awesome instruction. And do we take those instructions and do you use those? Do you, do you take those to heart? Or do you just, as my uncle Junior says, a pitchfork message? Did you take that pitchfork and you flip it back to the person behind you? I tell you by the authority of God, and I know what God, what He teaches and what this Word of God tells us, I know that if we took the message last night seriously, the devil has to go away tonight. And when he's not here, we know that the Spirit of God will manifest itself before us. So we have no choice. If you went and done what was prescribed to you last night, we have no choice but to have a good service. Amen? Sure. There's no way around it because that is the, that is the equation. Brother, I thank you so much for following the Lord. That was a perfect equation for a good service. It would be impossible for it not to work. So I'm looking and I'm excited about the service tonight. There is going to be something great happen tonight. It, it cannot happen any other way because God works that way. If you've got your Bibles and you want to turn with me, Sorry. Please follow along with me. What I want to do tonight is I want to do something with the help of God that will be could be very difficult. What I want to do tonight is I want to take some scriptures and I want to break them down to where a kindergarten person could understand it. So many times, I love to be with my brother at Old Union. I love to be with my brother. Brother brother Craig talked about it at the house the other day and said, boy, we could just talk for hours. I love to be with my preaching brethren and be able to dig into and get those deep nuggets, deep words, deep thoughts. Brother Steve, you know what I'm talking about. All of it, brother, uh, brother Jeremy, we love those conversations. And we can talk amongst ourselves and we will understand them. And there are sometimes I'm there and I say, Brother, stop for a minute. What did you mean by that word? Will you explain that to me? Even myself. Sometimes it gets a word that I don't understand. And sometimes we get behind this pulpit and we have that mindset. And we preach and we use these terms, these words, and we just automatically assume that everyone out there understands it. And when you look, it's just usually the preachers are shaking their head, Amen. I want to understand. I know my children at once times said, Dad, I don't understand that. And that, that was the first time that hit me in the face that, wow, they just really just didn't follow through with what we were saying. I just took it for granted that they understood because 
I understood it. But see, the God, and not, I'm not no better. This man is not no better. But we are studying. We are, we are, it is our responsibility to know more. We, if we don't, then we're in trouble. So it's our responsibility to know more. But I want tonight, if, if the Lord will help, and I know he will, I want to try to break down some words and make this very simple. I know that if we look at some scriptures that even in the biblical time, there were those in the biblical time that were very confused. I want to use one very, uh, uh, Nicodemus. He looks at the Lord and says, am I going to enter the second time in my mother's womb? When the Lord told him about being born again, this was a grown man. He didn't understand the thing, uh, the, the phrase that you must be born again. Do you see the, how simple that was? And to what we, I hope that the majority of us understand what that meant. But do you even know a grown man? And, and if you're a child here today, that would be very confusing to you. But it meant being born of the Spirit. It was being born again of the Spirit, being saved by the grace of God. So, you know, there's that term, and I want to read just a few more as we, before we get started into the, the, the real reading lesson. Uh, in John 6, 35, it reads, Jesus said, I am the bread of life. Well, now, if you're a child, what does that mean to you? I am the bread of life. You know, we look at bread, and I'm not trying to be silly with this, but I'm trying to break this down because we're looking at some children that would not understand that because think it's not. If you read on in that same 6th chapter, go to the 6th chapter of John, the 52nd verse, and it says, but Jesus did not, actually, or no, it says, uh, how can this man give us this, his flesh to eat? This was the people that he was, those Jewish people that he was talking to, in the, that same verse, they said, well, how could he give us his flesh to eat? They were taking the, the thought of bread and eating it like we would. But he was being, I am your nourishment. I am your spiritual nourishment. I am the one, you, me, myself, Christ. I am the one that you need to seek after. I will provide you with all you need, the nourishment. Back in those days, we understand that bread and water, well, we're so spoiled today. So don't take your mind back to a thought. Bread and water was very, 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 very needed back then. It was a precious commodity back in those days. They could not go out and pick up food like you and I can today. To be able to, you remember uh, Elijah with the woman there? Uh, after he come out of, uh, out of, out from the brook, he come to her and he says, well, you make the, all she had was a current of oil and some meal. He said, well, you make me one before I die. That's all they had. Do you see what I'm saying? Can you see the poverty of the people back in those and how precious that was? So when this conversation was brought forth, I am the bread of life. That was something that was very a, much a part of that culture at that time. They didn't have a, a big elaborate diet like you and I have. They couldn't go to Culver's and have to study the menu for an hour to know what to get off the menu. It was very, very simple. Bread and water. Sometimes maybe a little fish. Maybe a, maybe a, a, a lamb a, a lamb chop occasionally. I, you know, it was not something that would come very, very prevalent like we have it today. So you see, when Christ comes and says, I am the bread of life, even they, those grown-up people, says, well, what are we going to do, eat him? They, he's not a loaf of bread. Then he was their substance. He's my substance this, this evening. He's my strength. When I am down and out, just like bread and water will give us substance, he is powerful enough. He, he is my substance my, and my spiritual substance. 
And that is what we, if we look at these examples, we want to not overlook. It is a spiritual message that's being portrayed here. But he sometimes uses these worldly events, these worldly things. We all, all the way down through the ages of time, we understand food. You don't believe it? Look at us when we go to the back. We understand what it is to eat. So you could take those things and you could relate them. And, and, and this is what Christ has done here. But it's him. It's not that we don't want to make silly of it, but it's people actually made silly of it. They, they, they think, well, see, here's the thing. I want us to understand one thing. I want to bring the scripture into it. We have been saved by the grace of God. The majority of us in here have been saved. And we are what is, we have the spirit of God inside us. And it helps us to understand. It says, those that are without are spiritually discerned. They don't have the Spirit of God with them to help them dissect. I didn't have the Spirit of God at one time, and I was very confused. But even after I've been saved, I mean, we look at the Lilas and the Lucases. They don't understand all about these things. I can preach you tonight, and I can, I, and I can use these words that I'm fixing to uh, uh, give you definitions to. And I guarantee you that Lila and Lucas has never, probably just barely heard the words, and they wouldn't even know what they meant. But the Lord saved their soul. But you see, that's what I'm saying. The God works through all of that. We do not have to be, a, we're not saved on our intellect. I was saved at a 10-year-old boy. Now, do you think I had a lot of worldly intellect at that time? No. I believe you said you were saved at 9 years old. We weren't, we were still going to school. We were still learning. So it didn't, it wasn't because we were great and we had it all figured out. Like, that is where Nicodemus come in. He was trying to use it as his knowledge. And he was so confused talking to Christ. It just he said, "What do you mean I'm going to be born again? I got the second time in your mother's womb." Even an educated man would come and be confused with that. So, this just bear with me this evening. I want to try to take some of these scriptures and make them simple, if I can. I know there's things that we have to to to, to use the word, but we have to explain the word. We go to um, Isaiah. The 64th chapter of Isaiah in the 8th verse. But now, O Lord, you are a father, you are the clay, and I am the potter. We are all the works of thy hands, and we, we are not uh, and we are the works of thy hand. Okay, now we know we are of the dust of the earth. But this clay we know in the, in the art of pottery, and to craft a piece of, we, it was mentioned some last night, uh, to, to, to lift and make a, a, a pottery piece, it takes a molding of the, the, the potter. He has to take and work that clay, and he has to make it and work it up, and he has to do certain things with it and to, to mold it into whatever dish he wants. And that's what we were talking about even last night. This is what we were talking about. We are not clay. We are not clay. But it was it, it, the, the example there is to understand that God forms us. God makes us what? He wants to make us, if we'll allow Him. You know that God has a reason for each and every one of you? God has a love, as this pastor told us. He has a love that is beyond our comprehension for each and every one here this evening. He has that love for the entire world. And He will, if we will come to Him, He wants to. He wants to take and to form us and to make us those potter's those, those vessels of honor that Brother 
Jeremy talked about last night. He wants to do that. That is his whole focus. So when we, sometimes we get so confused and we say, I just don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know what the Lord wants. God, he is forming us. He has taken, he's making us. Now I know when I say this, I am not a, a, the, the, the first of authority to be able to say, I know exactly what the Lord's trying to do because I don't. Because I have to pray. I have to stay earnest on my knees. But I have to see the times that God is forming me. There's sometimes he'll take and knock an edge off because he doesn't want me to get to be a high picture. He wants me to be a low bowl. So he'll knock some off of me and that may hurt as, as, as we look at that, at that analogy. But you know what I'm saying? That's God's business. There are times that God will knock us down to get us in the right place. Have you ever been knocked down? Sure. And we will be again if the Lord allows us to live another day, another year. I guarantee you, I've been alive for 59 years. I've had ups and I've had downs. And I know that I will have ups and downs again. It will just be a part of life. But I know that I have tried it with God at the helm. I have tried it with God molding me. And I have tried it without God molding me. It's not very productive. It doesn't work. It's a miserable life when you don't have God to go to. I was a saved individual, but I was out in the world. I was not close to Him. I didn't couldn't go to Him and, and ask Him to say, Lord, I need your help. I was too far away from Him. But thanks be to God, He pulled me back. He gave me time. He had mercy upon me. He was long-suffering. And I allowed Him to mold me, as what spoke of, to mold me to be something of honor. He's going to do the same for you. So that's what that means. You see how simple that might be, but uh, people would get that confused because it's it's a metaphor. It's trying to make something that, that uh, use something to explain something else. And it, 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 it sometimes when you do that and it gets so confusing. But now I want to use the text the, the, the thought of this message tonight because there's been a and I for the life of me cannot recall the time I don't know if it was when I was pastor at Whiteland or as I was pastor at uh, uh, Pleasant Valley or it might have been one of the grandchildren but I remember and I, I remember the little, a little girl coming to me and says how in the world if you're washed in blood you're going to be white this was asked to me I know we all laugh but this was asked to me and she was genuine she was very honest. How in the world are you going to wash in blood and be white? That's a good question. You think about it. It's a very good question, except especially for someone such as Lucas or, or one of those th- that age. It's a very good question. It doesn't make sense, does it? Does not make sense. But if we look here and uh, uh, you say I'm going to make it simple, and I'm going to tell you, I'm going to take some reading out of Revelations. But just bear with me. I know it, it gets. Uh, Revelation 7, starting with verse 11. And all the angels stood around about the throne, and about the elders and the four beasts, and fell before the throne on their face and worshipped God, saying, Amen, blessings and glory and wisdom, and thanksgiving and honor, and power and might, be unto our God forever and ever. Amen. Now there is a lot of talk about beasts and elders and all that, and that is a very deep study. But I want us to understand the very focus before I continue reading this. What is the focus of this? They were honoring and praising God. It was all focus 
upon God. He was given all praise. That, if nothing else, you get out of this, the simplicity of it, you need to understand that. That is the most and foremost important part of this, that they were all these entities. We may not understand who they are, but we know one thing for sure. We can understand that very clearly. They were giving all their diligence and their praise to God. He's do that. That's His. And that's what we ought to be doing tonight and for the rest of our life. To give Him all honor and praise. And this is what we want to get out of this as we go on with this. So see what I'm saying? I want to try to break down these things that we want to take and get so confused. But let's get to the point of what is there. It don't matter who that was at this point as far as we get that what they were doing. Praising God. Uplifting to the highest, to the utmost. That was her focus. Now, you see Brother Jeff when he prays. I, I, I noticed this. Or did, how does he pray? Does anybody ever notice how Brother Jeff prays? He's down on his face. And that's what we see here. We read in this. They were on their face worshiping God. They, they didn't feel worthy enough to even look upon him. That is the praise and the glory that they gave him. It's pretty simple, right? But so important. So important that we see those these ports in these things and to get past all the, the clutter of, well, I wonder what those beasts look like, or I wonder what they represented. They're, they're, they're in there, but that doesn't that is not the important part of this at this point. As we go on, we'll learn that later. Oh, the things I've learned after salvation is it's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. But then it says, and one of the elders answered, saying to me, and this is the, the, the John the Regulator, this is who we we're talking to here, or that's writing this. What are these which are arrayed with white robes, and whence come they? Who are those within white robes, and whence come they? He said, Sir, thou knowest. He said, You know who they are. And he's going to tell him. He says to me, They are they that come out of great tribulation and have washed their robes and made them white with the blood of the Lamb. Washed their robes with the blood of the Lamb. And then it talks about how they're white. So what does that mean? How does that fall together? We see here that it talked about they were arrayed, those that were become were arrayed in white. That was the saints of God. Whenever we reach the end of this world, whenever the Lord comes back and meets us in the in the sky, that trumpet sounds, we're going to be, we're going to go and meet him in the sky, and we're going to be arrayed in perfection. That is what this is about, though. It talks about the white, the blood of Christ. He hung upon that cross. I want us to understand who it was that hung upon that cross, and the blood run down from his body. It was Jesus Christ. Perfect in all points. Perfect. He was no fault found in him at all. He was perfect. When we talk about white, he was he deserved the, the, the whitest and the brightest. He was perfect. As a, as a child growing up, can you imagine the, the, being his mother, Mary? So many times we say she pondered in her mind. Can you imagine what it was like to raise the Christ child? We read about him at 12 years old, and he was out doing his father's business. Not Joseph as a, wood, as a carpenter, but his heavenly father. He had made those points to her, and boy, you talk about a perfect child. And he continued on that, and we, can, we, we pick it up the three years of his ministry, and we see the, the things that he did, and there was no guile found in his mouth. He knew, 
before the foundation of the world. I want us to understand he knew before the foundation of the world that he would have that lot. And the determinate counsel between God the Father and God the Son and God the Holy Spirit, it was made that I will go and I will take your place. He, was, he took my place on that cruel cross. I deserve to be there. But I wasn't capable of being there because I'm a sinner. He was perfect. He did not deserve to be on that cross. It was not his cross. It was mine. It was yours. But he took our place. And to hold on to that, because we, and I hope this is getting simple. And it's talking about the story that we sung the song. The story is in Brother Jeff. I mean, it's the same story that you got happy with. It's just continuing on with it. The story never gets old. It never gets old. It never gets old. It never gets old. It's never changed. It never will change. It's the same today, and it will be the same for my great, great, great grandchildren if like. God spends his time to come. It is the same for Adam and Eve. Even before the, they looked toward the cross. Even the, the skins. You talk about the blood. <coughs> the, Adam and Eve, they, they covered themselves with fig leaves. That wasn't sufficient. Blood was shed and the, 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 the uh, coverings of a beast. I don't know what that was. Many people say it was a lamb. I don't know. I know that there was an animal killed and there were skins put around to cover them. The same way I was saved, the blood was shed for me as it was for you. The blood was shed. He gave his life on that cruel old cross. He shed his blood. Without blood, the remi- without shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. That is, that is scripture. Now, some say, well, why are you preaching this between and trying to make it simple to our children? It is crucial that they understand how critical and how much that God went through what he represented when he was on that cross. A perfect Savior dying for the sins of the world. It's important that we preach this and preach it loud and proud in our our pulpits. There was a death taking place that day. A death of a perfect Savior without spot or blemish. Now we look back at the Old Testament. Look, you think about, well, now, what is all of the sacrifices in the Levitical law and all these things, and we could get all messed up with that stuff. But you want to know what it is? It's everything he was back to, Adam and Eve, all the way through those animal sacrifices. They could not bring an imperfect animal. It had to be perfect without spot or blemish. They had to bring the best they had. You God, He gave the best He had, and that is you see in the in the Old Testament times. We look back even in the antediluvian people out past before the flood and even after the flood, they were looking to the cross. They were looking that they know that there was going to be a Messiah. There was going to be a Savior come. Did they even really understand what form He would be in at that time? They knew that He was coming. Because, you know, did they even know what his name was going to be back in that time? Because it wasn't even revealed to, to his mother until you will call his name Jesus. They knew that there would be a Savior. And they, they knew that it was there. And it was taught to their children. Even from that time all the way through the, past the flood, it was still taught to them about the sacrifice. The sacrifice of a perfect being. A perfect lamb. 
but was representing the sacrificial lambs, the sacrificial, those, all of those sacrifices, all that blood was shed in that tabernacle that we read about. You go back and you will read that there was a, the, they had to shed the blood because they did it once a year. They had to do it every year. And they had to go and shed that blood to make atonement for them. Atonement. Well, there you go. I mean, I've used that big word, haven't I? I've used a big word, and it's a word that needs to be def defined. An atonement. Bear with me. It's a substitute. It's one that... Did, somehow... I've, I'm sorry. It's agreement, an accord, a consolation. It's what this is. This is from the Webster's 1828 uh, dictionary. Sorry, I lost it for a minute. You go to Romans 5, and I don't want to go there at this point, but now you go to Romans 5, and it'll tell you about that, that atonement, that substitution that God only could do. Jesus Christ, he paid that atonement. That was his responsibility. That was his. He took that upon himself. Like I said, between the foundation of the world. He told for our sin. He substituted himself. He put himself in our place. And okay, that word just means substitution. He, he took and took our place. So we want to use these big words, but that's that's what it is. It's a, it's a big word. It means he took our place. Now, I don't want to oversimplify it, but I do want to oversimplify it. I want to make it known how simple that is. That's what that word means. He filled in the space that we deserve to be in. He did that. Why did he do that? Our pastor done told us a little while ago because of the love that he has for mankind. Do you realize how much God the Father desires to have fellowship with us? That's what this is all about. Whenever Adam and Eve took partake of that fruit in the garden, they broke the commandment of God. God says, do not, and they did. And you say, well, okay, that was Adam and Eve. Well, let me just ask you this. How many times has God told you to do not, and you did? It's in our, it's in our being. It's the Adamic nature of us. We are all sinners and need to be saved. It's, 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 it's for everyone in the world. They have fallen short. We have all sinned and fell short of the glory of God. We all are not in fellowship with God the Father. But I want us to understand, please understand tonight, He is so much engaged in you. Tonight, sinner friend, he is so much in love with you, so much engaged with you, so interested in you to want to have fellowship with you. You are his, you are the apple of his eye. You are his, he wants that. That is why he created us. He created man to have those that would come and, and, and worship him and fellowship him. And he desires to have that fellowship. If you're here and lost tonight, I want you to understand you're lost not because God does not well, doesn't want to save you. You're lost because you're not sub totally submitted to Him. You have not totally gave to Him because on the other side of that, there is a God that's reaching out and He's reaching just as hard as He can. He's reaching down just as deep as He can to help you and to grab you. 
He wants to. It ain't because he doesn't want to. He wants to with all his heart. His desire is to have fellowship with mankind. You know, we see so many come and, 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 and they wear the altar out. I know I did for two years. But you know why I wore the altar out for two years? Because I didn't want to do it my way. When I give up doing it my way and come to God's way, it didn't take him but just that fast. Faster than that. I can't even snap my fingers fast enough. That's the love that God has for us. Can you imagine? Brother Corey, can you imagine giving up any one of your sons, especially the firstborn Lucas, for the world that just hated you and slapped you and spit on you? That's what God did. He gave his only begotten son. How much love? How much love could that be? Can you imagine how much God loves us? How much he wants to save this world. And sinner friend, if you're here tonight, that love for you goes out just as strong, if not stronger. Come to a God that is reaching down and wanting to save you more than anything, more than anything in the world. You know, we, uh, we want to go to, uh, just, just bear with us. <sighs> Let's go to a very familiar scripture. One, and we're going to try to simplify this too. I hope I've made it simple. Maybe I've not. Maybe I made it more difficult. But I want to go to a, 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 what they is known as the Roman road. I want to go to Romans 10, and we'll start 8, 9, and 10. I want to read those. And that is the one that has been missed. The, the counterfeit denominations will use this and misuse it. And there are droves, barrels, thousands have been deceived because they take this so lightly. They just brush over the top and think, well, this says it, just, 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 just do this and you're going to be good. It goes deeper than that. And let's just simplify this as we, if you'll bear with me for a moment. Let me read Romans 10 and 8. But why saith it, the word is nigh thee, even in thy mouth and in thy heart? That is the word of faith which we preach. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Well, that would be very easily, I would say. Okay, just confess with your mouth. Say that I believe in Jesus Christ. That is very very prevalent in this society today. But where is the heart work in that? Think about what it just said. I just want us to back up just a moment. You want to believe in your heart that someone raised from the dead. Now you think about that. Even our carnal, our minds right now, to know that somebody raised from the dead, do you see that? When's the last time you saw that? Have you seen it? Anyone in this room seen that in their life? That's a supernatural event. Somebody raised from the dead. The God the Father come down and raised his son on the third day out of that tomb from the dead. That is something that's not natural to any one of us here today. We have to have faith to believe that. God has to give you the faith to believe that that happened. God will grant you that faith. When you totally repent to him and come to him at that time, he will grant you that faith. Because I want you to understand there's not a one of here has ever seen it. 
So how can you go back and say, I have seen that, I can stand on that, I have seen it happen, I can, I can tell you about it. We can't. It's through the eyes of faith. And that faith that it took us to get there was granted to us by God himself. It goes so much deeper than just walking the aisle and shaking a preacher's hand. Do you see how important, how, how much of a hard work it is? How, we're not just believing something, we're believing something that's supernatural. Something that we can't, I cannot tell you that I've seen it. I cannot, but I can tell you because of what the indwelling spirit within my heart. Because God bowled in me and he, he talked to me. He talks to me with that still small voice and he revealed it to me and he gave me that faith at a 10 year old boy. And when I prayed through, I knew. I, could, <laughs> I know when the Lord saved my soul. This brother Jeff talked about it. He remembered that day. I come through and I, and, and, and I turned it all over to God and he saved my soul. But the thing that I was there to do in this, 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 uh, 10th chapter of Romans, you just can't, we can't let that be just a simple thing. That is a very, very deep and weighty matter. God, believing in a God that's, he's a spirit. Those that believe in him must, he's a spirit, they must worship him in spirit and truth. That's why you and I that are spiritually, not spiritually discerned, we can, we can identify with him because he has taken a boat in our heart. But you that are lost don't have that ability. But you will. And you have to understand what is being preached this evening. That there is a supernatural event. There is a God that raised up his son. That he will raise you out of that Mari clay and save your soul. If you give it up to him. Total, total, total surrender. Nothing, wait, nothing. Total surrender. You can't hold on to nothing. I remember I come to the end of my road. <laughs> I had tried everything. You figure in two years. Excuse me. You figure in two years. Boy, I, I went around the block with the Lord. Lord, if you do this, I'll do this. Lord, I'll be perfect. Well, you say me, I, I want to be, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to hit everything just perfect. Yeah, he laughed at me, didn't he? He knew better. He knew better. I bargained with him. But I remember thinking... <coughs> On that day, I said, God, I've tried everything. If you don't save me, I'm just going to have to die and go to hell because I can't do nothing else. He said, exactly. He said, you can't do anything. And he saved my soul right then. I come to the end of my road, and he knew my heart. See, he knows each and every one of our hearts here tonight. And little friend, he knows your heart. He knows the very second that you have truly repented. You can't hold it back from him. We can't hold anything back from God. Nah, God knows all of our thoughts. He knows exactly what you're thinking at this very present time. So whenever true repentance comes, he's going to know it immediately. And that supernatural work of salvation is going to just fall together. Can I explain it? I can't. There's Brother Jeff 228, whenever we get a moment. That's a song. It's, it's a beautiful. I can tell you about the time and I can take you to the place. But I can't tell you how, and I can't tell you why. I don't know. It's beyond my knowledge. But I know without a doubt. I know for a certainty that that supernatural event took place on that day. It wasn't something that just said, okay, I'm going to turn and be a good boy. I'm just going to turn around and do the things that are right. I'm going to live a good moral life. 
That ain't what happened. I mean, that was not what it took. I'm preaching to you something that is so powerful. It is so precious. It's talking about God. Those, there may be most of us here was. Some uh, may not have been and may have been at other times. Do you remember going to the planetarium? You remember looking how far away God is? We can't even see Him with our naked eye. The human eye can't even see earth from where He is sitting upon His throne. And do you realize that we can pray to Him? That prayer that we had just a while ago, that prayer cut through all of that time. All of that time. Think about it. And he reached, it reached to go, I hope it did. It reached God upon his throne. Do you see how big this is? We're talking about a God that is so huge that he knows the hair on each and every one of our heads. He knows everything about us. We can't lie to him. We can't do, he knows us through and through. He knows us better than we know ourselves. He's looking down and he has a love, a genuine love for each and every one of you. The same way. As much as he knows about you, he loves you equally. He loves you without, I mean, just, I can't even, it's called a agape love. It's, it's a love that I don't believe us as human beings, we can even, we can phantom that much. We can't, we can't, we can't generate that much love. So this is what we're up against and, 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 and where we are. We're so small. Can you? And I wanted that that planetarium just helped me to give it a perspective of what it is. You can't even see us from where he's at, but he can see each and every one of us. Can you see how powerful and supernatural God is? That's who we can go to. God saved my soul. He gave me the ability to go to him at any time and talk to him. Do you know that you've got that all right too? The God that I'm talking to you about, an awesome, mighty God, bigger than anything that we know, more powerful than anything that we can come to, we can go to Him and talk to Him. Right now. Right now. We don't have to wait in line. We don't have to take a, a, take a number. We can talk to Him at any given point. Can you imagine? Does that not excite you? Does that not, does that not just turn you upside down as far as being a Christian? You know what it's like to be able to talk to the almighty God of the universe. We can talk to him at any time. Oh, that's so powerful. That's so amazing to me. I want to try to draw this picture of how great he is and how small we are, but how much love he has for us. And sinner friend, that is there available for you. He is wanting to include you into the saints. He's waiting to do that more than anything that you can ever think of. He is wanting you tonight. He is calling you tonight. He wants to save your soul more than anything. That is what his whole purpose is. That is what that is what makes him unhappy. Is those that go contrary against him. That displeases him. What pleases God is those that will submit themselves to him and come to him and have fellowship with him. He wants to save sinners all across this world. He wants to save each and every one. That's his desire. He doesn't want to hold none back. None. Will you come tonight? If you're here and you're lost, come and get acquainted. Come and cry out 
to this awesome God, this awesome, amazing God. He has a supernatural salvation that he wants to give you tonight. It's available. And he does nothing more than just to grant it to you tonight. That's his desire. As we can get a song tonight, brother, I want to put out a call to you that are lost and undone. Come and get acquainted. Come and cry out to him. He's on the other end of that line. He's reaching for you. Please come and find and reach for him. There is a connection to be made. I know I made that connection back as a 10-year-old boy. And I could go across this room and just about tell you testimonies of a lot of you people. Lord, you made that same connection several years ago. And some, there's a little man right here that it was just a few days ago. And a little lady somewhere back here that just a few days ago that they made that connection. He's still in the saving business. He wants to save. He wants to save you now, tonight. This entire week, and even past this week, we're in revival. It's a good time. It's a good place to be. It's a good time to, for us to get revived. But it is, it is a special time for the, the saints of God to pray and to understand. Do we, do, do we not want to listen to what was preached last night? Do we not want to have our vessels cleaned where we can see that power of God manifest itself? And Senator Fran, you can feel that, that drawing power bringing you to an altar of repentance. As we said, brother, can we you come? Page 85. Come and find him precious to your soul. 85.